ladies and gentlemen, from the WB Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, it's another exciting edition of the Binge Buster Show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Binge Buster Show this week, as I am super excited about this week's episode, uh, bringing in my uh, my former tag team partner and good friend, Jeff Patton, and uh, we're going to be discussing uh, the uh, the Crockett Cup um, and uh, like all three that, 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 that was uh, out during the Jim Crockett era. Um, so without further ado, right now, I'd like to bring on... My partner and co-host tonight, I'm talking about Mr. Jeff Patton. Hello, Jeff. How are you doing tonight? Doing great, man. Energized now. My music was playing there. That's right. <laughs> I know it's, it's been a while since uh, since we heard that song. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, the, the, you know, Jeff, I, I I never heard that song until um, until I met you, um, but I remember uh, starting out in wrestling, uh, coming to the BCW, um, and uh, and you know at the time you were the BCW champion, and that was your theme song. And I remember I was sitting there, uh, you know, before I got into wrestling, I came there and watched one of the shows, and um, I heard that song, and I said, "Man, somebody's coming in on a helicopter," and it and it sounded so cool, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was the good old days. Um, speaking oh, yeah. speaking of uh, craziness, Jeff. Uh, right now, I know this coronavirus thing is going around, and this man, it shut down. It shut down the whole country. It's it's, it's insane. Yeah, it has been uh, crazy over the last few weeks. Uh, me working in retail, I've seen it uh, first and foremost. Um, man, it's craziest thing I've ever seen in my lifetime. Yeah, um, it, it it it's it's totally nuts. I, um, I was talking to a friend of mine earlier today, and they was telling me that um, they they work for Walmart and said that uh, that the, the traffic in the Walmart today was worse than Black Friday. If you can imagine that, I can imagine it was pretty busy where I work too. Um, and I heard uh, beginning tomorrow, I think, is what I saw. Uh, they're only going to allow, I know the one here where I live in Morganton, North Carolina, they're only going to allow 50 people in the store at a time. Oh, wow. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. And then I think they're, they're, uh, roping off everything except for, that's what I've heard. I, you know, you never believe everything here, but, uh, right. yeah, they're supposed to rope off everything, but the, uh, pharmacy and the grocery side. Oh, wow. So, so that's basically. The only place you, so basically, yeah, everything, else. everything else is shut down. So the only thing that that you can't get, so 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 basically at Walmart, the only thing you'll be able to get is food and and drugs. Uh, apparently so. Wow, wow! I'm telling you, this is insane. I'm, I'm just yeah. hoping that that this that this pandemic is over pretty quickly, so that we can all get back to uh, <clears throat> to our normal lives. I know um, you know a lot of us had some big plans for this summer. And I'm, I'm I'm hoping that um, that all these plans will still be able to 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 go forward. But you know, the main thing is getting America healthy and getting rid of this virus, and uh, hopefully hopefully finding a cure. And uh, and like I said, we can go back and have a normal life again. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It would be great to get back to uh, normalcy, and uh, definitely missing sports. I know a lot of the guys are uh, guys and gals. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, it seems like. 
you know, the wrestling business. To me, it felt like it it was starting to really pick up, and uh, a lot of shows were booked, and a lot of a lot of uh, opportunities for for the young kids uh, that I know coming up. And uh, right now, everything's on hold, so we're just hoping and that uh, all this will pass over soon. But uh, speaking of passing, let's let's get to our uh, to our podcast this week, uh, Jeff. I wanted to get your uh, your take back in from 1986 to 1988. Jim Crockett Promotions had a um, a uh, a yearly tag team tournament for one million dollars, uh, the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup Tag Team Tournament, and you know that was a really cool um, tournament. It brought in a lot of great teams. Well, what do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I know the first one, uh, they had uh, teams from all over, uh, and from that was back in the territory days, and had a lot of teams from different territories, and even had uh, one wrestler that came in from the uh, WWE, WWF was what it was called at the time, uh, Coco Beware, uh, which I thought that was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it seems like, uh, you know, uh, also back during that time, um, definitely, um, the, it, it was like the, you know, so many teams, uh, would come together for this tournament. And, and like you said, it'd be, it'd be teams from all over, you know, and the cool thing about us, cause back then, you know, wrestling, it was big, but it wasn't on a, uh, a television level to where you knew who everybody was, unless you got the magazines and, and even that, you, you know, you, you uh you, you might you might have saw their picture but you really didn't understand their gimmick or how they worked or anything like that so i thought the crockett cup was was really cool um to to be able to 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 show people teams or, or wrestlers that you don't normally get ever get to see yeah totally totally agree with that uh i just i mean 24 i think was the team total in all three crockett cups and, yes uh, yeah yeah, some really, uh, really uh, interesting combinations. I know uh, they had guys from the Pacific Northwest and uh, Mid South wrestling was really hot then too, and they had a lot of teams in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, well, one of the things I want to discuss, I guess, we'll start off with the very first Jim Crockett uh, Memorial Cup. Uh, it was held. Um, you know, the 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 ones in eighty. Uh, I'm sorry, eighty seven and eighty eight. Uh, it went on to become a two-day tournament, but the inaugural Jim Crockett Cup was only a one-day event, but it was all day long. So they actually had a afternoon show, and then they had an evening show. And uh, and it came from the uh, New Orleans Superdome in New Orleans. Um, the afternoon um, show, it drew 3,500 fans uh, with a gate of $40,000. And then the evening uh, edition of the Crockett Cup, um, it drew 13,000 people with a gate of $180,000. So, uh, you know, this was 1986. Uh, that that was a, a, a really good um, a really good gate, wouldn't you say, Jeff? Well, definitely. Uh, I would definitely like to wrestle in front of that many fans. <laughs> Man, would that be nice, right? Uh, and, and the payoff would be even better, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But 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 you know back then, uh, talking about payoffs, uh, there wasn't no, there wasn't any contracts back then. Everybody got paid a, a percentage of the door, um, uh, you know, of of the event. And uh, but even at that, I mean, think about it: one hundred eighty grand uh, for the evening show. That's that's a pretty good payoff. Yes, it would be. And I would say 
you know, I always wondered, did they really pay the guy, the team a million dollars? Yeah, I've, all, I've often wondered that myself. Was that a gimmick check or was that legit? Uh, I know if I'd been working and i have been working hard and these teams that, that, that came in on these little spot shows and they, they're the ones that won the Crockett Cup, I'm going to be scratching my head going, hey, wait a minute now. <laughs> I'm 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 spilling my my blood and my guts and my breaking my bones, and these guys are coming in for you know twice a year and they're making a million bucks. But now I I I think that the million dollars was was definitely a gimmick to kind of like the, a belt or a, or the actual trophy of the Crockett Cup. But still, it was it was a great concept. It gave the people um, a, a reason to want to buy the ticket to to, you know, to go see what team is going to prevail and what team is going to win the million dollars. Um, but it wasn't just a um, it wasn't just a tag team tournament. They actually had um, at the Crockett Cup '86. They actually had two events. So the afternoon show had a main event, and um, and uh, that event was a uh, hacksaw Jim Duggan uh, defending the Mid South North American title against Dick Slater, and of course uh, Jim Duggan retained the title. And then on the evening show, it was for the NWA World Championship. Nature Boy Ric Flair against Dusty Rhodes, and Ric Flair um, uh, retained the title uh, via disqualification. Um, but all in all, I mean, the, the 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 teams and the matches on that was was uncanny. Yes, it definitely was. Uh, it, I still remember that North American title. Man, that thing was huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know the only the only person I ever uh, you know even though the Crockett Cup Jim Duggan had it. But I only remember seeing pictures in magazines of Magnum T.A. holding. I thought to myself, that is a huge belt. Yeah, I think I've seen a picture, I think out of a magazine back then that had a picture of Ted DiBiase with it as well. Oh, okay. Uh, and, of course, I had another one that had Magnum T.A. with it. But that was, uh, of course, a long time ago. Now, now, Jeff, I, 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 uh, speaking of Ted DiBiase, um, I want to touch on this a second. Um I was uh, listening to a, to a show a couple weeks ago, and someone was talking about um, if uh, if uh, you could pick somebody to be in the Horseman that was never in the Horseman, who would you pick? And somebody mentioned Ted DiBiase. Man, would he have not back in the eighties if 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 he would have been in there instead of say Ole Anderson? Could you imagine how 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 great the Horseman would have been? I totally agree with you. I thought he was a heck of a performer and. Uh, you know, the sad part is, is uh, you know, at one time, uh, they were actually, Vince was talking about putting the uh, WWF title uh, on Ted DiBiase. But that was shot down by, you know, who, who got to con- pretty much control everything back in those days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I I think Ted would have would have made a good world champion. Um, he uh, He definitely had a... He was great on the stick. He was great in the ring. I mean, I, I don't think I ever saw a bad t- t- uh, Ted DiBiase match. Um, just uh, an all-around uh, great worker. Um, and also, f- from what I've uh, understood, outside the ring, a tremendously nice human being. So, um, man, I, I just I hate that we missed out not getting get not you know not getting Ted in the uh, in the Horseman because I think that that would have been really really awesome. Yes, it definitely would have been. And I know uh, he wrote a book, and he talked about, you know, when he became the million-dollar man. I know that's off the subject. But anyway, uh, I remember, I mean, you talk about getting heat 
I mean, people hated him. Oh, yeah. You know, all the little things. I mean, I, I remember he had the little kid there, and he offered him $100 if he could dribble the basketball so many times or so long. Yeah. And uh, Virgil, or was it Virgil, or was it Ted one knocked the ball away? No, yeah, it was dribbling. Ted. He he told yeah. the, he told the boy he said you bounce the ball five times for every if if you do that I'm going to give you a hundred dollars. The boy got to four and right when we went to five, Ted put his foot out and knocked the ball out. He goes, "Oh, you didn't do it." And the boy, like the look on the on the kid's face was 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 priceless. <laughs> and of course, the book in the book he said that uh, yeah, after they cut the camera off, he actually did give the kid a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, that's a that's a, a you know, hearing that it kind of reminds me of a story that George South told me. Um, said that um, there was a spot on TV one time when when they brought him out there, uh, and Ivan and Nikita were going to um, to uh, demonstrate the Russian chain, and and f- for his time they were going to give him a hundred bucks, and so they they give George a hundred dollars on TV. George puts the 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 hundred dollars in his tights and then they put the chain on him and then of course nikita beats the crap out of him and george said that when he went back to the dressing room um uh ivan walked over and gave him the hundred dollar bill back and said hey man thank you for that and george was like what what is this and and Ivan said hey you earned it and you know seeing something like that uh says a lot about those about those those guys yeah uh you know, they played their character well on TV, and, you know, like, you know, you'd think Ivan Koloff and Ted DiBiase and Nikita Koloff would have been mean people, and then, uh, you know, when you meet them or, or hear stories like that, you know, they're really good guys. So. Yeah, and I, and I know you feel the same way about this, but probably one of the nicest guys in the business is Bobby Eaton of the Midnight Express. Totally agree with you on that one. And I've never met a guy nicer, um, nicer than him. I, and I know we've uh, spoke about him earlier on some of our other podcasts together. But uh, I just want to touch on that for a minute because Bobby is just—he's just an amazing person too. Um, but uh, but now moving on to the Crockett Cup uh, takes—it takes us to the second Crockett Cup, which was in 1987. By 1987, Jim Crockett Promotions had really, really picked up steam. Um, they had signed a lot of um, a lot a lot of big time stars, and on top of that, they had some tremendous angles running uh, in '87. Because um, in '87, you had um, you know the Midnight Express had uh, or Jim Cornette had had burnt Ronnie Garvin's face. Um, Dusty Rhodes was was now the United States champion. Um, See the Rockwell Express had left, but they they had, you know had left Crockett Promotions, but they had they had just came back. Um, so uh, it, you know a lot of uh, a lot of big time uh, things were going on uh, during Jim, you know for the Jim Crockett Promotions during 1987, um, and with that you know of course Superstation TBS, so they had tons of uh, coverage. So uh, and then this year for the Crockett Cup, they changed it up a little bit. They they went to Baltimore, Maryland, but this time. It was a two-day tournament, not just one day, um, two nights. So during this time, uh, on April the 10th at the Baltimore Arena, they drew 9,300 people. Okay, so during that one, um, the 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 uh, the non-tournament event was a cage match. Uh, Ole Anderson had been kicked out of the Horseman, and now Lex Luger had replaced him, so now he's the babyface, and he had a um, 
a, a last man standing cage match with Big Bubba Rogers. Well, Jeff, what what do you think about that match? Uh, it was intense, and uh, um, definitely, uh, you know, you, you think about it. I mean, it was a pretty good match with with uh, you know Ole and of course Bubba Rogers, and of course later on he went to uh, become the UWF heavyweight champion. Yeah, yeah. Shortly after that, he um, he left. Uh, actually, I think he left. Uh, Crockett promotions there at the end of the summer because I remember you know he was with the Midnight Express uh, in '87 during the Great American Bash and I think that was the um, uh, that was the year that that they actually put the bashes on television as part of the TV tapings uh, so that that was that was pretty neat for the people that uh, that they weren't able to go see the the um, the Great American Bash uh, you're able, able to see highlight matches on the on the television shows and I remember seeing Bubba. Uh, was was part of that, and I think at that point in time he may have already uh, he may have already been the UWF champion, and he came in and was defending the belt. Matter of fact, he did because I remember he uh, defended it against um, Terry uh, Terry Bam Bam Gordy at one of the bashes. So yeah, but uh, but yeah, this this Crockett Cup of '87 was uh, was tremendous. I mean, you had so many um, so many great teams. I think that that was the first time that I got to see. Um, Bullet Bob Armstrong and Brad Armstrong, you know, father son tag team, they were there. Um, you had um, the Mod Squad. Uh, uh, let's see who else we had. Uh, Thunderfoot and I'm not. I'm sorry, not Thunderfoot. Well, yeah, yeah. Wait, well, the the uh, the uh, Thunderfoot was was at the Crockett Cup, but I was trying to say Lasertron, uh, which of course was Hector Guerrero. But uh, but man, what a what a great gimmick that was. That that gimmick was way ahead of its time. Um, the Lasertron and and then of course, uh, you know, you know, Dusty and and Nikita, the superpowers, um, you know, they were in the tournament. Uh, the Midnight Express, uh, the Garvin brothers. I mean, so many great teams um, was part of this of this Crockett Cup. And of course, the the winning team uh, went on was the superpowers, Dusty and Nikita, and they came down to the finals in the um, in the in the tournament, and they actually ended up beating uh, Tully Blanchard and Lex Luger. And uh, then, of course, the the non-title main event on the second night. Now, um, I almost missed it, but April the 11th was the uh, the final night of the Crockett Cup, and uh, it drew 13,000 people that night. And then, of course, the uh, non-tournament event was uh, Ric Flair defending the world title against Barry Windham. And, uh, Jeff, what an amazing match that was. Yeah, most definitely was. Uh, I know... uh... And it went what 20, 25 minutes, and it was uh, you know it wasn't no lot of rest holds. It was you know back and forth, back and forth, and a uh, uh, little controversial ending. Flair, uh, uh, I think Wyndham did the little uh, roll up, and then Flair uh, pulled his trunks and pulled the trunks uh, to roll him over, and then pulled his trunks when he pinned him. Yeah, uh, got the three count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but man, you know, any time that um, that Barry and Flair worked on television, it was just uh, I mean, it was it was to me watching Barry and Flair was a lot like watching Barry and Steamboat. Like they they never done the same moves. There wasn't a lot of rest holds. It was just go 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 go. Um, and and at, at any given time, it, like you know, you uh, didn't know who you know you had no idea who, who you thought was going to win. Like one minute Flair would be on top, and then Barry would get on top, and back and forth and man they had great charisma together great chemistry together and 
Uh, I, 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 I always enjoyed seeing Barry and Flair work each other. Yeah, so did I. I still to this day, I say two of those probably five greatest wrestlers that I've ever seen as far as in, in-ring performers. And, you know, you can throw Steamboat in that category as well. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, th- those guys could just go, 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 go. It's so, and it was so entertaining, um, you know, watching that, watching them do that. And, uh, but you know, the Crockett Cup was, was, was really awesome. Um, in 87, I, I really enjoyed it. And then, uh, moving on, um, the very last Crockett Cup, this one kind of seemed a little bit more, um, watered down. Uh, also it kind of, y- you could see the writing on the wall that Crockett promotions were, you know, nearing their end. Um, the formats were a lot different in 88, but now, however, the great American bash, I'm sorry, the Jim Crockett promote Jim, Jim, Jim Crockett cup 88, um, it, uh, was in two different cities this time, not, not just one town, two nights. Now we're Crockett cup is, is two days, two different towns. First town, uh, on April the 22nd, 1988 was in Greenville, South Carolina. It drew 44 hundred and forty people. Um and then uh the Crockett Cup uh on April the twenty third in the home I, I call this the home arena of Jim Crockett promotions, the Greensboro Coliseum. And Jeff, think about this for a minute. The, these numbers are gonna blow you away. So just one year prior in eighty seven, we're in Baltimore. Now granted Baltimore is a little bigger town, but Greensboro Coliseum is the hometown for all the major Crockett promotion events during the 80s. But it only drew 6,300 people. Um, so with that being said, that's literally half of what they had, you know, just one year prior. Um, and that, that's what I'm talking about. It looked like, you know, the, the writing was on the wall. Crockett promotions wasn't drawn as well as they as they did in the past. Um, but any event, the uh, Crockett Cup 88 um, saw some, some, some neat matches. Um, on April the 22nd, the non-tournament match was uh, Gorgeous Jimmy Garvin versus Kevin Sullivan in a Prince of Darkness death match. Now, fans, what a Prince of Darkness death match was. It was a blindfold match. Now, Jeff, could you imagine being blindfolded and trying to wrestle? Yeah, especially having to wrestle Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> right? <laughs> that little pit bull. But, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, what a uh, what a uh, an, an an interesting match that was, and of course that was leading into the huge rivalry that Jimmy Garvin and uh, Kevin Sullivan would have during that the whole um, year of 1988. Uh, I think they ended up at the Great American Bash that year um, had the Tower of Doom, and that was that five tier cage, kind of like the War Games, but um, you you had to start at the bottom of the cages and work your way down to the top. And I think later on they brought it back in WCW. Uh, and I think they called it something different, but it was basically the uh, same concept. You started fighting at the top of the cage and then every few minutes a trap door will open. And whoever the last team or the first team to get everybody down is the winner. And of course, uh, you know, different matches, you know, different times. But um, but anyway, that was a Crockett Cup 88. And then, of course, the uh, non-title, um, I'm sorry, non-tournament match for that one in Greensboro uh, would put Ric Flair versus uh, Nikita Koloff, who uh, incidentally had just returned. He had been out of wrestling for a while due to um, 
personal issues with his with his with his then wife who was who was sick, so he took time off to take care of her, uh, and then came back there in '88. Uh, this time he had hair, <laughs> and um, and he ended up challenging Ric Flair. And and originally he and Rick he and Dusty were going to be uh, you know the superpowers and uh, have another run, but uh, two days before the Crockett Cup, Dusty was on television. And uh, there was an altercation with Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA, uh, and Dusty came out with that baseball bat, Jeff. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, in the summer, so, and that was when I think uh, Magnum was after his accident. He was on uh, crutches, and uh, Tully Blanchard came out there and kicked the crutch out from under Magnum, and he fell to the floor. And. Uh, Dusty came in and grabbed the baseball bat and just started swinging and accidentally nailed uh, Jim Crockett with it. The baseball yeah. bat. Yeah. And then thus the NWA stripped um, Dusty of the uh, United States title and um, suspended Dusty. And then that's when the uh, Midnight Rider um, debuted. Um, and then, of course, um, the Midnight Rider uh, challenged J.J. Dillon at the Crockett Cup, and that was a, a non-title or a non-tournament match as well. Special attraction, if you will. But um, it, all in all, the Crockett Cups, uh, 86, 87, 88, they were all really fun to watch, really, uh, really, really a, a, a different spill on wrestling. But I also liked how the uh, tournament, it was a tournament, but they would always find a way to uh, keep their angles running because at some point in the tournament, the guys that had an angle running, end up facing each other during the tournament and therefore the fans there got to see a little bit more of um of the feud that's going on yeah except i think the first year they really didn't do anything because they had so many uh you know uh, wrestlers and teams from other territories and then the second year they had uh, you know a lot of that going on so. yeah it was it was um it was, it was really neat to see though i I definitely enjoyed the the Crockett Cups. I always I, I I wanted to go to the one in Greensboro, but the, that year um, I'm trying to remember it was um, I, I think I, I was going to be out of town or something with my parents, so I wasn't able to, to go to it. But um, but uh, but I, I you know looking back, I would have if if I could have uh, of um, attended any of them, uh, I think I would have would have loved to to been at the very first one, eighty six in in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, fans. Well, uh, we uh, uh, want to thank you for tuning in this week for the uh, for the uh, episode on the Crockett Cup. I hope that Jeff and I um, uh, uh, taught you something about the Crockett Cup. Ho- hopefully, we uh, we uh, covered anything or everything that you guys might might question on. But right now, we're going to take a break, and when we'll come back. Jeff and I are going to still be here. This time we're going to be telling some uh, some funny road stories that we uh, have encountered over our years of wrestling and uh, hope to entertain you people, make you laugh. Uh, all that coming up next on The Binge Buster Show. Want to get your event or business advertised around the world? Then let The Binge Buster Show advertise for you. We offer a weekly show that is broadcast over all major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and much more. We offer five levels of advertising to fit any budget. So don't hesitate. Let the Binge Buster Show work for you. For information, contact us on our Facebook page at The Binge Buster Show. We look forward to helping you and your business grow.
All right, fans, we are back on the Binge Buster Show. Uh, Jeff and I are uh, still here hanging out, and I thought what better way to end the show than to uh, tell some uh, some some funny stories, Jeff. I mean, you know, over the years of, uh, of you and I uh, working together and um, putting on these shows together, and, uh, man, we have came across some, some hilarious things, right? Yes, we definitely have. Um, and I just wanted to go ahead and tell you that uh, on April the 10th, I'm not sure exactly when this is going to air, but on April the 10th, Burke County Wrestling will be celebrating 30th anniversary of wow. the very first event. 30 years. It's, it's hard to believe that um, that uh, we've known each other that long, Jeff. Uh, it's hard to believe I'm still alive after 30 years, all the stuff that I've done and, and uh, been through. But, uh, but man, what a, uh, what a great time that, that you and I have had together over the years and, uh, but but fans, you know the, the the cool thing about wrestling is not just it's not just getting out there and entertaining the fans. It's it's the brotherhood. It's the friendships that are created uh, while while we are creating um, our uh, our entertainment. We're also creating um, close close tit uh, close knit friendships. And uh, I I can I can honestly say that I'm not saying it's because he's sitting here, but. Uh, definitely my my closest friend in the wrestling business is definitely Jeff Patton. We have um uh it was like we hit it off at the beginning and um and just uh you know we've 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 uh, always had great times together. Yes we have. Uh and we've wrestled each other, we've uh tag team before, so we've done it all even as a even we were a tag team, remember we had to wrestle each other. Uh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, that was fun. And uh, yeah. and and a funny thing behind the scenes, I remember uh, when Jeff and I become uh, we 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 uh, we sat and thought about this. Me and uh, another guy named uh, James, uh, we had formed a tag team um, called Simply Perfection, and so the gimmick we had was like you know every woman's dream, every man's nightmare. You know we we were kind of like the horsemen, but but we kind of turned it up a little bit. You know we're better than everybody kind of gimmick. And, um, and, and, and James and I were a good team, but it seemed like Jeff, once you and I become the new Simba perfection, um, that's, that's when it really took off. And because our, um, our thought process was the same. Um, and man, I, every, every, every time we had a match with whoever it was, it was, it was always a great time, but, but, but behind the scenes, we, Jeff and I were so into this, the end of this gimmick, it was crazy. Um, Jeff went out and bought a Camaro. Then I went out and bought a Camaro. Remember, Jeff, we, we had almost matching Camaros. Yours, I think, was yours white and mine was green? Because I remember mine was green, but I can't remember what color yours was. But, uh, but I can't remember. I've had, I've had, I think I've had like six of them. Yeah, yeah, but it was, it was so, it was so cool. It's like, because I remember you, you got your Camaro. I was like, well, I got to get a Camaro then. So uh, I went and got one, and then uh, I called you on the phone. I'm like, Jeff, uh, I got a Camaro now. And you're like, are you kidding? I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. And uh, and our and I remember when when we had that building there in Morganton was promoting. Uh, we would make at the time we 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 had had parking spaces, so you and I would park our Camaros in the building. Everybody else would park theirs outside. <laughs> yeah, we had the garage door there in the back. Yeah, so yeah, we park yeah. cars. Park our cars in there. 
It's like everybody's like, well, why is Jeff and Tony getting that? Well, we're we're semi perfection. We can, but um, but but speaking of that building, I got a great. Uh, I, I guess the best the f- the first story we should start off with, um, was um, <clears throat> Jeff and I were doing this. Uh, we were doing this tag team match. Okay, Jeff and I were the tag team champions, and we were defending against uh, my cousin Mark and uh, and my uh, my friend Kenny, and uh, our referee at the time. Uh, was not a uh, he he did not understand the concept of how pro wrestling worked, and so anyway, it's a street fight. We're doing everything, you know. It's street. There's there, there's no rules. Okay, you're just fighting one man on top of the other to we win. And Jeff and I ended up winning, but um, but I remember I got pissed at the ref. Uh, I think Mark and Kenny got pissed at the ref, but Jeff, it was, it's funny. I never heard Jeff cuss until this day, <laughs> and we're out there and we're we're doing the street fight. And of course, Jeff and I are the heels, and we we cheat and we win, and uh, we go over and um, and as we're leaving, Jeff grabs the belt, the tag belts, and we're walking back to the dressing room. And Jeff stops, walks back, gets on the microphone, cuts a promo on the, on the on the ref and on the people, and says. Uh, this is a stinking street fight. Anything goes. If you don't like it, kiss my ass. <laughs> and, and, and well, I, I think, yeah, I think that, that being we were pissed because the 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 ref man, we you know, anytime we'd use a weapon, he'd try to take it from us. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, that's yeah. Right. I remember you. We kept telling him, "Dude, it's a street fight. We can use anything. It's uh-huh. just, anything goes." You, he kept just taking her. He kept taking yeah. her gimmicks from us. I'm like, bro. Yeah. And then, and then I, 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 I do the finish, and I said, I remember by this time I was lost it. I cover Kenny, and I told the ref count three, and I put my foot on the rope. He goes one, two. Your foot's on the rope, and I said, "You stupid <laughs> son of a bitch!" And then instead of punching the ref, I punched Kenny as hard as I could, right in the sternum. And all I remember is Kenny going, "Oh my damn sternum!" And he goes, "I ain't the one you're supposed to be mad at." And so I'm covering Kenny, and of course he's counting three. And then and Kenny goes, "Please don't hit me again." So we get back to the dressing room, and then Kenny's like, "Brother, what what'd you hit me for? I didn't do anything wrong." I said, "I'm sorry." I said, "I, I, I was." Wanted to punch the ref, and instead I punched you. I apologize, but but man, that was a <laughs> that was part of the, one of the many doozies, Jeff, that that we have encountered over these years of pro wrestling. See, fans, a lot of you don't know this, but you know sometimes you 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 go to these shows and you think everybody on that show knows what they're doing and are as trained as you are, and unfortunately. It's not. <laughs> That's not the case. A lot of times you get you get a ring, and 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 all you people out there listening and new new wrestlers that are coming in, if you ever want to know if you you get to a show and you're working somebody, the way that you can tell whether that guy's trained or not is when you get in the ring or in the dressing room, you say, "Hey, lock up with me." From that lock up, you know if that guy can work or not. If that guy don't know how to lock up, he can't work. <laughs> That's just plain and simple. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you got that right. I've, I've, uh, I've had some doozies, that's for sure. Wrestle some doozies of the guy. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, some of the people that have come along and that we've met over the years. Just, I, one of the, one of the funniest things I'll, I'll never forget is, um, I can't remember what year it was, but 
Oh, we were wrestling. Uh, I don't know if he was with us then. It was uh, myself. Uh, I know uh, Big Donnie and uh, James Brody and it's somebody else. I can't remember who it was, but we were uh, wrestling for a guy called the Greek. Okay. And uh, yeah, and uh, um, he let us. Uh, we, and uh, James and Donnie were running around with a guy. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Rob. I can't remember what his last name was, but uh, he had a truck and. Uh, so the Greek, uh, he talked to Greek into letting him haul the ring for him because Greek didn't have a way to haul the ring. So, uh, <laughs> so he hauled the ring. So Donnie and, and myself and uh, we're in my car, and uh, he was doing a show. I think it was somewhere close to Asheville. It wasn't in Asheville, but it was around that area. It's about an hour away from where we lived. So. We met Rob, and Rob had the ring. They had the ring already on the trailer, and and I'm following him, and we're going up. We're in Marion, and Rob is flying, man. I mean, he's doing. Uh, you know, I know the speed limit was 70 miles per hour, but when you're hauling a ring, you got to go slower than 70. He's going 70 miles per hour, and I'm I'm behind him, and man, that trailer starts weaving back and forth and back and forth and it's weaving further and further toward the outside of the road uh the white line and it got to the point where it's it swung over and before he finally decided to pull off the road and stop oh no and uh james brody rode with him and when we stopped James, James looked at me and said, I ain't never been so scared all my life. I turned around and looked out my window and I could see the ring. Are you serious? <laughs> passenger side window, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll never forget that one. That one was, uh, <laughs> that was crazy. I can't, and I can't believe he saved it. And, and uh, none of the ring fell off. I just told him what to do. I know you in a hurry. Just slow down. Yeah, it, it, it's funny, and uh, I'm trying to think of some more funny stuff that um happened um <clears throat> at some of these shows. Oh yeah, what about the time that um we were uh, doing the the fair show, <clears throat> and uh, uh, I think uh, Donnie or I, I don't know who was in charge of renting the ring, but we got a bad ring, and we had Ricky Morton on the show. And I remember, uh, uh, I just happened to walk up to, I walked up to, uh, give you my, my music. And at the time, I guess you, you and your brother, Tony were, um, were, uh, putting together the matches. And I remember, uh, you looked at Tony, you said, man, I don't have nobody to work Ricky Morton. And, uh, and I said, oh, and I just stood there for a minute and Tony goes, what about little Tony? Let, you know, let him work Ricky. And you looked at me, you said, you want to? I said, yeah, whatever. And he said, okay, but, um, but I, but the funny part I remember, cause in, in that building, you know, we uh, didn't see each other. So the babies are on one side and the hills are on the other. So we didn't talk. So I didn't, I didn't even, didn't even talk to Ricky till I got in the ring, but I remember getting in the ring and Ricky, look, Ricky looked, looked at your brother, uh, Alex, who was reffing. He said, Hey referee, you sure it's ring ain't going to fall? <laughs> <The lady> said. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, I'll tell you the good one. When I was young, um, there's a little, there's a recreation center here uh, in Morganton, uh, where I'm from. And, uh, you know, that was the very first time I saw wrestling, you know, when I was a kid. And I can't remember how old it was, but anyway, I always dreamed of wrestling there. So finally got a show book there. And uh, we had built this homemade ring. <laughs> really wasn't worth a crap. But uh, we had it there. <clears throat> and like an idiot, I think I was the the champion then. And so when I booked the matches, I booked the tag team match uh, before the main event, which was me and uh, uh, Super G. And we, so the tag match was uh, um, uh, Donnie and, you know, my brother Tony uh, were wrestling um, Robbie Campbell and uh, James Brody. And uh, like an idiot, I mean, they tore the ring down. So, so the ref, there was, we had two refs at the time. The one that, that wasn't in the ring ref in the match comes back there in the dressing room and looks at me and says, Yes, they just broke the ring. I said, oh, my God. So I go to peek in to see what was there. <laughs> yeah, it the, it had, I don't know exactly what had happened. One of the, the side, uh, the frame boards had broke um, that connect with the poles. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the, <laughs> the, the one side of the ring is like, it's, it's not level. It's like hanging down. So I'm like, oh, my God. So I looked at I looked at Super G and the ref was back there that was doing our match and I said, Well, I said, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do false count anywhere. So we ended up having to do a false count anywhere and I think the only time we got in the ring was at the first of the match when they did the ring introductions and then, you know, we just <laughs> the rest of the time we were uh, on the floor. So you had to improvise, but that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I tell you, uh Another funny uh, story involves involves me, you, and Donnie, <clears throat> and my cousin Mark. So we go up to uh, to Mount Airy, North Carolina, to work for this uh, this brother duo, and they had this ring that was like the padding was like was like um, the uh, the styrofoam uh, uh, the big foam pad that that would that that you would see like in couches and pillows and that guy kind of thing. real 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 um fluffy thick but it didn't it didn't absorb anything so when you got slammed man it was like crazy but anyway i remember getting in the ring it was during our tag match it was me and you a super perfection against uh mark my cousin mark and donnie and i remember um in the ring um jet uh I heard Donnie tell you, throw me to the floor. <clears throat> and he threw he threw me on the floor and I jumped down and he said he called super kick and I gave Donnie a super kick and he took this big bump on the floor and I said, uh I said, Dang brother, you're all right and Donnie said, Yeah, I had to take a bump on, on something hard because that ring's too soft. <laughs> I was like <laughs> <laughs> I started laughing. I said, Oh my gosh. But uh but and that happened and then at the, on the in that same match uh, this was the worst fans. Oh my God. Listen, uh, you, I was kind of young then. I didn't know who to work. I mean, I, I knew how to work the crowd. I just didn't understand that when you really, really piss somebody off, leave them alone. Uh, 
And I know Jeff, you're gonna remember this. So uh, we're doing this little opening spot. Uh, I'm I'm giving this this family on the front row a really really hard time. I'm calling their kid a brat. Their daughter was probably about eight or nine years old, and she was kind of a big girl and really really into the matches, right? So uh, me and Mark do me and Mark used to do a spot where I would uh, you know shoot him in. I'd go for an elbow. He would duck and he'd clothesline me and then clothesline me and then clothesline me over the top rope. And so he went to clothesline me over the top rope and Jeff's on the apron and I hit the floor and I, and I hit the floor in front of these people that I had been antagonizing for like the first seven or eight minutes of the match. And I'm on, I'm on my hands and knees crawling back to the ring and Jeff, I know you remember this a little girl comes and field goals me right in the nuts. <laughs> Remember that, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I turn around like I'm I'm ready to fight somebody, right? And I see it's like a little eight year old girl, and I'm like, what in the hell? And I tell that woman, you better control your kid. And I I tagged you from the outside, and the ref goes, you can't tag. I'm like, brother, he's got to get in there because I can't breathe. <laughs> and I had to roll up in the ring, then tag you back. Oh man, I I. I for, you know, you always hear that saying, they got kicked in your throat. Well, mine was in my brain, okay? That was the hardest <laughs> I think I've ever kicked in my life. Oh, my gosh. It was so funny, though. After it was over, you know, but there at the beginning, man, I was just like, man, I'm going to smack this kid. Dude, I remember that, that place, man. I remember the first time I got in that ring, I started walking around, and I was like, man, I can feel the plywood. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> ring was terrible, but... Man, the crowd there ate it up, though. We, yeah. we we didn't have to work hard. We just had to uh, understand that ring and, and how and how it felt and the bump and everything. But uh, but it was it was the, uh, yeah. The ring announcer couldn't read. No, no. But because now, he called. Let's see. It wasn't dangerous, Donnie. It was dazzling, Donnie. Yeah. And yep. uh, you were you were treacherous, Tony. Treach, yeah, terrific, yeah. Tony. <laughs> right. And I was I was gorgeous, George. I don't know where he how he could get uh, yeah. Jeff would yeah. turn into George. And but. you know, to be honest, Jeff, I kind of think, and I might be wrong, but I kind of think that the promoter set him up to do that because they knew that we ran shows somewhere else, and I think he was trying to, um, trying to, you know, that to us. But on top of it, also. Um, our matches were way way better put together, and I ain't bragging. Um, just the fact that we were trained, they wasn't. But a lot of the, their matches were not as um, as crisp as ours were. And I remember, uh, I know you remember this. At the same time, there was a tag team up there called uh, Bad Medicine. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, don't you? I hear you laughing. Yeah. And they came to the ring, fans. They, they were there drunk, and they were trying to cut a promo. Um, they were, they were about 20 years past their prime at that point. And not only that, but they were out there drunk, barely could even stand up and using the F word on the microphone. And I mean, it was terrible, but, um, but I was like, Donnie, what do you think about those guys? And Donnie was like, eh, it looks like they're, they're, they're related to, um, Tommy Rich. <laughs> I'm just never saying that. It was so funny, but, uh, but man, that was, that was a funny, that was a funny show. Um, Speaking of drunk, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except for the drunk, that, that, that kind of killed yeah, you, it. Yeah, uh, yeah. You didn't get to go with us that one time. We got to uh, we got to wrestle in a bar. Um, this was uh, a bar in Belmont. I don't even remember what the name of it was. And 
I took uh, my brother Tony and I. We we worked a match, and at the time, um, I was training the kid to wrestle, and um, he was pretty good little ref. So, and ref. So we took him with us, and I never met this guy before that that uh, was booking the show. But we get there, and half the people in the in the dressing room are drinking. So even the promoter. And uh, so, uh, unfortunately, uh, I was going to try to just get my, you know, my little ref there to ref our match, and that would be it. Well, he didn't have any other referees show up. So this kid's having the ref, and I think he's like 14, 15 years old at the time. So he's refing the whole show for him. Well, <laughs> the promoter was in the main event, and so – Tony and I, we did our match, and we're in the back. We're already changed out, and we're just waiting on the show to be over so we can leave. And so, and they had it, and we were outside the bar. They had the bar was inside, and they just didn't have room enough for a ring to set up. So we set up outside on a little patio, and then uh, they had a stage out there, and they had uh, used it for a dressing dressing room they had curtains up where we can change back there or whatever so we're back there waiting and we can hear all the ruckus going on in the ring and then we were right beside the ring so we're, so we're there and uh the the ref comes back there our little ref comes back there and he says let's go i said well don't you want to change he says no let's leave right now i said okay so we leave and on the way out <laughs> We look up in the ring, and fans are in the ring. Oh, no. Drunk fans are in the ring. So I'm like, I'm so and Brayton was a kid's name. He's like, please, let's just get out of here. Get out of here. Take, go, go, go. So we take off, and we leave. I said, I said what the heck happened? He was like, I'm in there riffing. And he said, <laughs> The promoter grabs me and throws me over the top rope. And then I look up and he said, there are drunk fans getting in the ring. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, <laughs> and the kid's like, I've not been trained on how to go over the top rope. And I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, no. Here he was a kid. I'm thinking, oh, what have I done? I took this kid to a bar. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, I, I tell you, bar shows are always fun. I know um, uh, I, I had a few that, 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 that you guys came and worked, a little bar I used to run called Rockin' Jacks in High Point, North Carolina. And, man, I had some of the best times in there until um, it kind of got a little out of control. But I remember um, I remember one time being in there, and um, <clears throat> we had a little uh, – my, my good friend Brian um, from the band Fair Warning was my commentator and ring announcer, and – he would commentate over the PA system, which was kind of cool. It was kind of a cool uh, concept. And, um, and, of course, he was comical. He'd make it funny. But I'll never forget, you know, how I used to always think I was Rick Rude or something. I'd always shake my hips at the girls. And uh, there was a whole front row of girls, and I'm all front row. And um, and I remember uh, being up there, and uh, and I, I buy slam whoever I was working. I think it was probably Mark. But I buy slam him. I get up on the second, on the second uh, rope. And I start shaking my hips. Man, the girls are screaming, woo! You know? And because uh, I was about 23 then, and I had a pretty nice, pretty tight little booty on me. 
and they're screaming. And I remember Brian going, ladies, ladies, uh, please stop staring at Tony's um, dick. <laughs> he said it was hilarious. <laughs> and then, of course, the girls start screaming, woo, you know. But uh, but that that was funny. But um, another funny time there at Rockin' Jack's was the time that the uh, the uh, the drunk uh, wanted to get in the ring, and uh, <clears throat> and of course he thought he did until, and but 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 before the show, you know, he shows up and says, "Hey, I want I want to I want to be I want to join your wrestling school." Well, I didn't have a school at this time, and I'm like, "Well." Uh, Help me put the ring up. That, that, that'd be a good start. <laughs> so so this guy starts putting the ring up. Well, <clears throat> he's over there and 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 he's carrying you know, carrying now now that the ring I had was the ring I got from you and the tall ring, those those poles were so tall it would take two people to carry those poles. And I'll never forget as long as I live. This dude picks up the pole and I said, Hold a minute, don't get the pole. I said, You gotta take two people. He said, No, I'm gonna show you how strong I am. And Jeff, he picks up the pole, and then he takes a bump with it on the floor. It was like it was like the pole gave him a high cross body, took him down on the ground, <laughs> right up, down, boom. And when he went down, the pole was on his throat, and he's up there trying to get it off, and he's trying not to look like he's he's in trouble. And of course, me and Kenny and Mark just start dying laughing. I mean, I am laughing about to pee my pants because it's the funniest sight ever. And I remember. Uh, one of the ladies there at Rock and Jacks goes, "Hey, don't laugh at the guy; he's dying, <laughs> choking himself with the pole." <laughs> I was like, "I tried to tell you not to pick the pole up, but man, that was hilarious." And then he still wanted to join my school. And then a month later, I end up getting to a, a shoot fight with this dude because he comes back to the to the show, and uh, now he's trying to be funny and be a part of the show when he's not even on the show. And uh, end up stealing. He, he went and stole like during intermission. We we, we were we were gonna have a match to crown a new champion. So I had a new belt there on the on the ring announcer table. And somehow another this crazy guy goes over, gets the belt, puts it on, goes to the bar, orders beers, and starts cutting a uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin promo in the bar. And people are in there going nuts. And I I'm totally clueless that this guy's even got my belt. And then my cousin Mark comes back there and goes, Hey Tony. There's a guy out there at the bar that's got a belt just like yours. I'm like, what? Yeah, he's out there drinking beer and doing a Stone Cold promo. I'm like, what? So I walk over. First thing I do is go to the table, and, of course, my belt's gone. So I walk over there, and right as he's getting ready to, to, to turn the beer up like Stone Cold, I rip the belt off of him. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You you can't be messing with the belt. Oh, man, I just want to join your school. I said, and, he, and I knew then he was drunk. So I'm like, well, you, you know, you have to you have to get with me next week, whatever. So I go back to the, to the ring and I put the belt back on the table, and then uh, I thought, okay, so I'm in the back telling all the guys, okay, guys, this is what we're doing. And then the next match was uh, you guys and um, and and Donnie and James, um, and then Donnie and James do a a a, a tornado DDT on the floor, end up kicking this kid in the face. Remember that. Kick the kid in the face. Remember that, Jeff? Yeah. Kick the kid in the face. Kid's probably ten years old. He got a black eye now. Now I'm like out there going, "Oh my god, this is this, I'm never this right here is going to cost me. They're going to shut me down. This this mom's going to sue me." 
And I walk over and I'm like, hey, guys, listen, I'll give you guys your ticket money back. I apologize. I'm sorry my wrestlers got too close, blah, blah. And the mom and dad both said to me, oh, no, it's okay. He goes, school money has got something to brag about. <laughs> okay. So I'm like, okay, nothing else can go wrong. So after that match, I take another intermission. And I'm standing over there, and then I'm getting ready to start back up, and I hear this crash, like something breaking. I'm like, no, what the heck was that? I walk back through the, the locker room area there, and there's my camera, my camcorder laying on the ground. It's in like four pieces. And I look at one of my biggest badasses wrestlers I had at the time, um, uh, Stuart. Remember Stuart? Um, mm-hmm. And I said, what happened to my camera? And Stuart looked scared like crapless, and he's like, Tony, and he pointed, and guess who it was? My little fake Stone Cold guy. And I lost it. So I go over and I spin him around, and I'm like, "You gonna pay?" I'm screaming, "You gonna pay for my camera? You can give me five hundred bucks right now and take it out of your butt." Blah blah blah. And my dad was there, and so my dad's trying to de-escalate the situation. So he comes over there and he's, "Dad, Tony, just let it go. Let it." Dad, no. And and then my my ex wife was there and she's like you know just just walk away you walk away I said I'm a walk away I'm a walk away and but this somebody's just going to the hospital and I'm just talking junk right and he says the guy here the guy tell me you better be glad your your wife and your daddy are holding you back or I'd stomp a mud hole in you and walk it dry he's trying to cut a stone cold promo on me right so Jeff all I did I told my dad I said Dad you better move because I'm fixing to punch him my dad's like nope I said Dad you move or I'm hitting you so Dad moved. And as soon as he moved, I threw the biggest, baddest sucker punch I could ever throw on this dude. Hit him in the hit him in the in the jaw, and he went down like a freaking sack of potatoes. And when that happened, Stuart, Kenny, Mark, and somebody else they come and grab me and drag me out of the bar, and I'm just kicking. Let me go! I'm gonna kill him! Kill him! Kill him! And then he comes over there, and they're holding me down, and he's yelling out out the window or the door. You better be glad your boys are holding you back because I would kill you. And I remember Stuart going, if we let him go, he's going to kill you. <laughs> and it was, it was so funny. But that was the first time I'd ever gotten into a fight with a fan uh, ever. Um, and uh, and and then I'm sitting there and I'm still fuming. You know, you, you, I, and I know you get like this. When, when, when something really makes you mad and you feel like that you didn't get justice, um, so I'm sitting on the back of the U-Haul truck in the back alleyway there, and I'm just screaming. Or I'm sitting there just fuming. And this guy's still at the door yelling, and I hear Stuart go, well, if we let him go, he's going to kill you. And uh, so Stuart pushes him all the, all the way, and he walks over there, and he goes, you okay, man? I said, yeah, I'm okay. He goes, are you sure? I said, no. He goes, I see the look in your eye. You just need to chill out for a minute. And uh, Stuart was a big guy. He was a big dude. And old biker guy, you know. And his wife, his wife was funny, but his wife, his wife got me going again. She looked at me. She said, I wouldn't take that shit if I was you. I'd go beat his ass. And I said, <laughs> you know what? I am. <laughs> and I took off again. And by that time, Stuart couldn't. And as I'm running, I hear her yelling, I want to see some blood. Because <laughs> she was drunk too, you know. But she was instigating me. And so um, I go get running again. And Kenny, and this time Kenny and Mark are holding me, and uh, and I think maybe two other wrestlers are in there. And Stewart has got his hand on this guy's chest, telling the guy, "You need to go on, you need to go on, you need to go on." But it, being a wrestler, Jeff, and being a heel, I saw I had one small window of opportunity. 
to kick him in the nuts. <laughs> so I drilled him <laughs> one more time. And yes, fans, terrific Tony sucker punched this guy and kicked him in the nuts, and he didn't get one punch in on me. I was pretty proud of myself. But I went home with a broken camera, and um, but it was still a fun night. But uh, it was one of the crazy nights of uh, of pro wrestling. Wow. <clears throat> I think the only uh, the only time I've ever done anything that wasn't didn't get physical was a family. Uh, we were running uh, doing a show at the old uh, Hildebrand Gym, and uh, there was a <laughs> there was a kid. He's probably nine, ten, eleven years old, dipping in the crowd, mm-hmm. and <laughs> he's got his little. A uh, twenty ounce bottle, and he's spitting in it and whatever. And I come out there for my match, and I'm you know just working the crowd like I normally do. And this kid is cussing me for I mean, cussing me for everything I'm worth. I'm just like, I look down at him. I said, "Let me tell you something, boy. If I was your daddy, I'd <laughs> bend you over my knee and wear you out." And <laughs> Sitting beside of him was this big 300-pound fat woman stands up and says, I'm glad I'm his mama, and I'm glad he's cussing you out because you ain't nothing but a sorry. And then she started cussing me out, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> That's the funniest thing. That, <laughs> like, when, when you said that, Jeff, you talked about the um... – about the Hildebrand gym, it reminded me of another funny story that happened there. Um, this was when um, <clears throat> I was running babyface. Uh, you turned me baby, and you and I had a little feud going. And then we uh, brought in my cousin Mark, and then he turned on me, and and we played the brother gimmick, and we did all that. And then uh, when that was winding up, we were going to put together the Palace of Pain. And so on this show, um, I can't remember, but I remember um, – I think you and it was, I think the original Palace of Pain then was like you, it was you and Mark and your brother Tony. And um, I can't remember who else was in the ring. Probably, I'm sure it was probably Donnie. But, but on this show, uh, you and Tony and Mark are in the ring putting the boots to, I want to say it might have been Sweet Daddy Brown and Donnie. But anyway, you guys are in there putting the boots to him. And, uh, and earlier in that night I had wrestled Mark and, and, and over in the corner was this Hispanic family and they had, um, you know, really got, you know, behind me. I was, I was their favorite or whatever. And I remember coming out, running to the ring and everybody thought, oh man, this is it. Tony's going to clear house. And I jump up in the ring and I circle around and then I just turn around and I punch Donnie with the brass knuckles and he goes down and we, and we all start putting boots on him again. And then, of course, the locker room, uh, you know, all, all the baby faces come out, and we, we scatter. But I remember getting out of the ring, and that Mexican guy is just yelling at me. And I said, shut your mouth, Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> and I said that. <laughs> they started cussing me out in Spanish, and I couldn't understand what they were saying, and it made me mad. But I was like, I can always say I've never been cussed out in Spanish before, and I just got cussed out in Spanish. And I remember you said, what did he say to you? I said, something about Bessie McCooler or something. And you said, a Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious, <laughs> but uh, we did that. That was fun. Um, but man, we we had some funny, some funny road stories that's happened. And um, uh, what about the time, Jeff, that we um, 
that we all went down to the uh, Antioch Speedway. That that was a fun night. Yes, it was. I remember uh, we had like three matches. Uh, we had two during their. Um, they must they had they had their practice, and uh, we had like two matches before they did their um, heat races for qualifying, and then um, they took an intermission. And during the intermission, they um, had a driver's meeting. And I remember uh, we were in the ring. Me and you went up against Donnie and my brother Tony. And, yep. uh, uh Man, they were all the drivers and crew members and anybody that was on pit road was lined up along pit wall watching us. <laughs> and I remember you kind of – I still got that on uh, – on uh, videotape, and you can hear the guy over the PA say, all right, everybody, you need to get to the driver's meeting now. <laughs> they couldn't <laughs> yeah. get the driver to the driver's meeting. They were too busy watching the wrestling. Yep. And then, of course, you know, uh, you know how that goes, man. I always get screwed. Uh, some other company took it from me. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I came to them. I came to the people at Antioch Speedway. I said, hey, how about putting – and we tried to do wrestling here. And the guy loved the idea. And then they let somebody else come in. And then I came <laughs> I came that night when they did the other one because I wanted to see, okay, who stole my show? Right. And uh, I was there at the Speedway, and I saw the guys that run the Speedway, and I kind of smarted off to the guy that owned the Speedway. You know, I told him, I said, man, this is bullcrap. And I didn't use that word. I used the BS word. Right, yeah. And I said, man, I came to you. I was the one that brought this idea up. And now you want to bring somebody else into it. I said, man, this was my idea. You know, it wasn't yours. And I said, you take my idea and involve somebody else and screw me over. Mm-hmm. I said, that's fine, man. You know, if that's the way you want to do business, and that's fine. Of course, they closed down shortly after that because we don't know how to run a business. But, because they anyway, are yeah. losers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I sat and watched it. <laughs> 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 yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I watched. They did like, and they did all the wrestling. They did after the, they had like a promo in the during the intermission of the racing. And then uh, all their wrestling matches were going to take place after the races were over. And uh, I know a guy that raced there, and he said, no, nobody stayed for the wrestling. <laughs> oh, wow. I said, yeah, we're <laughs> out of here. Serves them right. But anyway, they had a uh, promo, and uh, supposedly the big baby face who wore overalls and looked like a country farmer comes up, and uh, they drive him up in a pickup truck there at the, in that little grassy field. Instead of him walking, you know, to the ring and doing whatever, they it was awful. And then guys, they didn't know what they were doing. Wow, that's so, that's crazy how um and 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 that's that's just typical how things are. You you uh, go out and get a good thing going, and then somebody sees how good you're doing, and they go, they come in, and then they and then they kill it for you. And uh, you know that that kind of happened to me. Um, I had a building up there in High Point that I would run. Uh, another organization used to run it, and and um, and then they they stopped running shows, 
So I went up there, talked to the lady, and I said, hey, you know, I, I do wrestle, and I would love to come up. And she said, yeah, sure. And, Jeff, I, I got this building at a great price. And uh, the only downside was they didn't have chairs, so I'd, I would have to go out and rent chairs. First couple of shows, I did, you know, I had to go rent chairs. Um, so then, after, but after that, they got chairs in or bleachers or whatever it was. And so, but she still gave me a great price. So I start running and running and running. I'm doing a show and I'm I'm uh, I'm packing it out pretty good. And then then another wrestling organ or another guy thinks he wants to promote shows and then he comes up there, and then they end up um, uh, tearing tearing breaking a door or something, and so, but they confused them with me, and said, "Oh no, no more wrestling can be there because they're they're uh, too too destructive." And so I went to that lady, and I'm like, "Listen, that that wasn't me, you know. That that wasn't my company. That was somebody else." And and it, yeah, I understand, but uh, you know, the 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 president's like, "No more." And I'm like, "Dang it!" So so I had a good thing, and then somebody else came in. And of course, I never went to their shows, but from what I understand, um, they uh, didn't draw as well as me. But and I'm not bragging. I, I was smart. I would I would book I would book a name. I'd have Jimmy Vade or Ivan Koloff or Bobby Eaton or somebody somebody worthy, um, and and put on a, a classic you know family oriented wrestling show. Uh, and these guys come in during this time. The ECW stuff was big, so I'm sure they were probably doing all that stuff. But um, but it's sad how like you know somebody can go in and and uh, you put all your work into putting it together, and then you got some knucklehead comes in and and. Uh, tries to take it from you then they uh have a, a, a terrible a terrible uh, product and just ruin it ruins it for everybody yeah uh remember we had the uh riverside play when we were doing pretty good there and then you know here comes this one goofball uh you know he wanted to work on my show and i didn't know him from adam you know i'm not putting you on my show and nobody had seen him wrestle before mm-hmm and then I remember he went up to George South and said, hey, we used to run the roads together. And George said, I ain't never met you before in my life. What are you talking about? Who are you? Uh-huh. And so the goose stole Riverside from me. And I don't know why the, the older let that goofball come in there. And, of course, half his wrestlers were drinking. So mm-hmm. it's like, man, it's, yeah. it's whatever. A, yeah, it's a, it's, a sad, it's a sad story or sad situation. Well, uh, yeah, you, you got us. Uh, you got us a really funny one to take us home on this next one. Oh goodness, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything, uh, <laughs> anything else I've seen or or I had done. Um, goodness, I. I really can't think of anything right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, me either. My mind's going blank, but uh, but I know uh, we, we've definitely had some good times, and I know uh, after this coronavirus is over, we're going to have more good times and be able to uh, create some more funny memories. I'm hoping this um, uh, coronavirus is gone in, by May because in May we've got a – the NAWA has got a huge event uh, in the works – uh, and as once once I know that that show is is a definite go, I'm going to tell all all you listeners about it. You're definitely going to be excited. I will tell you this: there are going to be a couple of WWE Hall of Famers on that show, um, and uh, one of the greatest tag teams in the NAWA are going to be there. 
So uh, you definitely won't don't want to miss that. But like I said, right now the show is kind of up in the air, and depending upon how this uh, coronavirus uh, scare pandemic goes, um, but I'm hoping that uh, that it will um, pass over. But Jeff, thank you for being my guest and sharing some stories and sharing your insight on the uh, Jim Crockett Cup. Um, and uh, next week, fans, I think uh, Jeff and I will, uh, if if you want to, Jeff, we'll uh, do another one. Um, this time, we'll uh, we'll uh, figure out what uh, what big event. Uh, from the past that uh that we can discuss and talk about and touch on and uh maybe t- uh, tell you people some more funny uh road stories and uh we look we look forward to that and jeff uh thank you again i appreciate you coming on the show you're very welcome my friend anytime all right you fans take care and make sure that you go uh like us on our facebook page and uh download each and every exciting um uh, show pr- uh, pr- the prior shows uh, we're on all uh, podcast platforms that you listen to, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, um, iHeartRadio, YouTube. We're all out there. Just uh, search the Binge Buster Show and uh, go back and listen. And I will tell you, if you want to hear some funny stories, Jeff, I don't know. I'm going to touch on this a little bit, but uh, I had Jake the Snake Roberts on one of my shows. Did Have you got a chance to listen to that yet? Honestly, I haven't, but I, I, have, I won't have to do that, though. I will try to do that this week. Oh, listen, if, if if you want some entertainment, you got to listen to the one with Jake Roberts. He tells this this rib, and I'm going to tell you this as we go off the air. He tells this rib how in the 80s, when he when he was running the feud with Ravish and Rick Rude, <clears throat> excuse me, and you know how, how Rick Rude was. I mean, he was a very intense person anyway. Um, So remember when Rick Rude used to um, pull the girls out of the crowd? Mm-hmm. and kiss them on and so jake thought it'd be a funny rib to um to have his little his girlfriend uh, that he was seeing at the time um to be one of the girls and he says that that they pay her 500 bucks to get in the ring kiss rick rude and pot pass out and all this stuff so uh he, he said besides you got to do it because tonight's your turn to buy the cocaine so she says okay so she does it and uh but before she went to the ring. She uh, went to the parking lot with Jake. And Jake let her <clears throat> kiss his snake. And um, she held something in her mouth from the snake, from Jake's snake. And when she got in the ring, she put it in Rick Rude's mouth. <laughs> and Rick Rude found out it was Jake Roberts that put her up to it. And he went to Jake's hotel room, kicked the door in, and tried to kick Jake's ass. <laughs> Could you imagine, though? <laughs> <laughs> and Jake said, "You know, at the time I thought it'd be funny." He said, "But you know, seeing how mad Rude was, uh, he said it wasn't a it wasn't a good time." <laughs> he said, "He said, but smoking pot and doing drugs will make you do some stupid stuff." But but that and that's just one of the stories he had. But he had a bunch of them. But man, that one that one was like, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe he did that. But uh, yeah. Jake, Jake was out there back in those days. I'm sure he probably still still is a little bit, but uh, but man, what a, what a what a funny story that was. Craziness. But anyway, fans, make sure you uh, go uh, go download our epi- episodes and uh, make sure uh, you uh, like our Facebook page. And we will see you next week here on the Binge Buster Show. Are you looking for a quality pre-owned car at an affordable price? Then look no farther than Autosville. At Autosville, they offer a car to fit any budget, from vans, trucks, SUVs, compact, 
sedans, or sports cars, AutoVille has you covered. They also offer financing. AutoVille can get you riding even if you have no credit, repossessions, bankruptcy, divorce. It doesn't matter. AutoVille has unique relationships with lenders that can help you get riding today. So don't hesitate. Give the professionals at AutoVille a call today at 704-380-4000. That's 704-380-4000. Or contact them on the web at AutoVille.com. But make that switch today and give the professionals at AutoVille a call. Let them get you riding and tell them the Binge Buster Show sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for another edition of the Bench Buster Show. Make sure you tune in each week and download us on your favorite podcast platform.